This is the Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. Joining us now is an attorney representing Marine Danny Penny. Please join me in welcoming Steve Razor to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. Okay, everybody. Steve Razor um, is a founding partner of the law firm Razor and Kniff. Uh, and their uh, area of practice is criminal defense and civil rights litigation. Uh, the reason that uh, I, I bring that up is because these two guys are outstanding attorneys and they have one of the most important cases right now in uh, New York history. Uh, I don't, you probably don't remember the Bernie Getz case from many years ago, uh, but this is another example of a, a seminal moment in criminal justice in New York City, impacting not just New York City, but all of America, where an individual, a Marine, Danny Penny, who served uh, with honor uh, in the Marines, uh, assisted others on a an underground subway car, as you, I'm sure, recall, uh, to prevent a uh, an individual who was homeless and threatening, uh, and most people on that subway car thought he was threatening to kill them. Uh, he has since been charged with manslaughter and criminally negligent homicide. And this week, uh, a judge heard argument from Steve Razor and Tom Kniff regarding the dismissal of the indictment uh, against Danny Penny based on what, Stephen Razor? Well, we asked for a dismissal of the charges because the evidence just wasn't sufficient to uphold the charges. Um, you know, interestingly, uh, even uh, the the attorney for Jordan Neely's family had at one point come out and voiced his concerns in regards to our motion that we filed because there was legitimate points there. He feared that the um, that the indictment would be dismissed, and rightfully so. The judge didn't go that far. And understandably so, because very, very few indictments are ever dismissed on motion. But if there was ever going to be one, we felt very confident this fell into that category. Well, you know what's interesting, Stephen Razor, uh, attorney for Danny Penny, uh, is that judges are loath to uh, throw out an indictment. But I suspect that you put in uh, a great deal of evidence and give us an idea of why thought the indictment should have been dismissed well I, you know a lot of it goes to the whole idea of what recklessness is what criminal negligence is you need to have understood the person in, in this case danny needed to understand that he was risking the life of jordan neely by putting him in a particular hold that he did but the evidence just didn't support that the evidence showed that danny was trained that the hold that he used was non-lethal um, his own trainer, the the individual who trained Danny in the Marines, in the Marines, very important. Yes. Sorry, Steve, I'm sorry. No. I want to I want to no. emphasize this. He got no. this training in the Marines and was told that this was non-lethal. He was told the way in which he was trained to apply it was as a non-lethal hold, as a way to control individuals who are out of control. Uh, so it was he wasn't even trained how to kill somebody by performing this hold. And just to go a little further, that's Danny's training. Danny's trainer, uh, who trained Danny and many other Marines under him, serving under him, um, that sergeant came into the grand jury and testified that not only did he train Danny that way, as he wow. did every other Marine, wow. he also viewed the video that showed the way in which Danny was actually applying real-time this hold 
And this sergeant said he was not applying it in a way that he could have possibly foreseen that this guy was going to die. What he said is that Danny was actually protecting him, not applying a lot of pressure and more holding him in place, which is precisely what Danny said happened. All right. Let's talk about the fact that Daniel Penny, uh, again, charged with criminal homicide and manslaughter, was assisted uh, in the hold of uh, Jordan Neely, the homeless man, um, by other people from the subway car. He didn't just do this alone. There are other people holding him down. Is that is that accurate? Right. I mean, that shows you real time. These are two more individuals that were scared of Jordan Neely and got up to help Danny restrain him. The threat was Jordan Neely when Danny got up to protect the other riders. Uh, they were helping Danny, in essence, at, at, to protect the other riders, but to protect Danny, too, because the fear was that Jordan Neely was going to break out of that hold and get up and harm Danny. So mm-hmm. they were there to try and continue to restrain him to make sure that that didn't happen. And I understand, uh, based upon the motion that you guys submitted, that there were several people in the subway car, and I think we heard this right in the beginning, uh, that felt that their lives were in danger based upon the behavior of uh, Jordan Neely, the deceased in this case. Is that accurate? Right, and that's a that's a very important point here because the the riders that testified, many of which had stated that it wasn't merely a fear that Jordan Neely was going to hurt them. They were afraid they were going to die. This guy was threatening violence. He was threatening to kill people. And right. these riders believed him, as mm-hmm. did Danny. They believed he was going to follow through on his threats. Danny stepped in and saved their lives. And I think it's important to also note here, I, I think we have to somehow try and change the way we look at this case this guy was, was threatening to kill people. He was acting as if he was crazy. He was high on drugs. There were drugs found in this system. Um, that this guy was going to kill somebody, Danny had to take him down to protect everybody. And sometimes when there's struggles, life and death struggles like that, people get mm-hmm. hurt. You know, and that's a risk that we take when we protect other people and we have to use force to restrain someone. Yes. Jordan Neely's death could not be foreseen, but it did happen. That doesn't make Danny a criminal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I suspect that uh, the people on that subway car that was moving, locked, underground, uh, you know, felt that uh, they couldn't even run away from him. You know, right. Steve, there are so many pieces to this thing, Steve Razor, uh, that, you know, militate uh, against the thought that, you know, Danny Penny was doing anything, you know, in any way criminal. I mean, these people were afraid uh, and they try to show Jordan Neely as, oh, he's a former Michael Jackson impersonator. Tell us about him. What was his record? Jordan Neely. He had uh, over 40 arrests, and uh, some of which were violent uh, arrests. Actually, one in which it's just uh, mentionable is that he had assaulted a, a woman in her 60s and uh, had uh, broken her jaw, uh, I believe, and or or fractured her orbital. I mean, it's a vicious assault. I mean, this guy was a dangerous person. When Danny identified this guy as you know following through on his threats. To Mm -hmm. kill somebody when he said he would kill somebody? Danny was right. The proof is there that Jordan Neely was that guy that Danny thought he was. He he believed he was going to follow through, and Jordan Neely was exactly that person that would. Yep. Yep. I got to tell you, uh, this this case, Steve Razor, the uh, Danny Penny case, uh, it's one of those seminal cases that, uh, you know, kind of set the tone. 
America right now is, most Americans, uh, I don't know about those on the left, are fearful of crime. They know that starting with the George Floyd case, that it was, it's about defunding the police, tying the police's hands behind their back. It's about the reduction in police department numbers, the uh, extremely long response times, 911. Uh, people are, and then if, if you arrest someone, uh, you know, they get released immediately. Uh, people are afraid now. How do you think this case feeds into that whole psyche? And what do you think a jury is going to do with this case? Well, I mean, as far as the, the psyche, I mean, look, when you talk about the police response time, and let's not forget, like, the tone was set when uh, police started to become afraid to even make arrests or even put their hands on people because they were afraid there were going to be accusations. And they did pull back, and the enforcement is not as aggressive anymore. Uh, so what, what it leaves the people to feel like is, uh, okay, well, to some extent, we're kind of on our own. You know, like we, we're, we're, the police aren't going to be standing there. And when, even when they are, they're sometimes afraid to act. So mm -hmm. there, there's that idea that you know, we're, we're kind of in this together, right? So the police aren't going to solve all of our problems and we got to kind of take care of each other. In comes Danny, who does precisely that. And he takes, he takes that step. He endangers his own life by yes. stepping in. He could have been killed. People forget that. Danny, Danny took down Jordan Neely. He was not a small guy, by the way. Um, he, was, he was basically the same height as Danny, and he was uh, described as muscular. He was a thin build, but muscularly built. How tall? Um, how tall is Danny? How tall is he? he? Do you know? Danny is six two, and um, and Neely yeah. was approximately the same height. He was, he was yeah. approximately six two. You know, mm -hmm. so when Danny did that, he was taking his own life. Um, you know, he's putting his own Risking life at it. risk. Yeah. Yep. So now what we're doing is we're telling people it, when you do have that special person with you that will stand up and put his life at risk for you, um, society is now telling that guy sit down. You know, don't worry, because, you know, Jordan Neely is not going to go after you, Danny. So you just sit there and watch somebody else get yeah, hurt. That's the message. Now we have to be fearful that not only aren't the police going to get there quickly, but nobody else is going to help you. If you get targeted for whatever reason, you're on your own. Right. Right. Yeah. That... And I'm sorry, Judge, you had, met, you had asked about the jury, too. What's a jury going to do with this case? Well, um, no. You know what? Before I get to that, I mean. Okay. Must have a crystal ball, Steve, but sure. Steve Razor. Um, but but when you argue to the jury, I mean, you're going to be in front of a Manhattan jury, correct? Right, correct. They're right, and uh, I suspect that most of those people have ridden the subway and know what it's like. That's an advantage for you, yes. Right. I mean, and, and that's really, um, I guess what you could say, evens the playing field, because yes. to some extent, you know, a Manhattan jury tends to be of very course, liberal. Right? Yep. Yeah, very, yep. And, yeah. So very liberal. Um, so but yet you, you kind of mix that in where these people have real life experiences with crime and threats and the subway system and, and how, how scary things can be for people. So, yes. And, and some of the grand jurors to some of those passengers, I'm sorry, the grand jurors, some of the passengers that testified at the grand jury. Yeah. had that experience and they knew that this was different so when you get wow. somebody on there who has that kind yeah they and this is people uh, decades riding the subway this case was different wow um, and the people that we're going to be looking for to serve on this jury are going to have that kind of experience and they're going to know what it's like to be afraid when that door closes because like you said judge that door closes. You don't get to just walk away. You're not in the middle of Times Square. You don't get to look the other way and just walk faster. You're stuck and you got to wait for the next stop. And sometimes it's that's too long.
You just gave me chills. I got to tell you, the, the idea that people who've ridden this subway for decades knew that this was just a different situation that right. you know what it is it is i'll tell you steve razor it is a compelling case it is a, it's a seminal case it's a very important case it will speak to where we are and i know manhattan is liberal manhattan is democrat and you know you've got you you've got al sharpton out there saying you know jordan neely was just a michael jackson impersonator no jordan neely was a guy arrested 40 times he was on a list because he was homeless to be as one of the i recall this as one of the people desperately in need of help whatever right. he had drugs in his system i mean it's it's kind yeah, of interesting by, yeah go ahead i'm sorry i was just going to say on that point judge by the way um that whole idea that he's the michael jackson impersonator that's in his past that's yeah he was young he was a kid right yep. right not right. even applicable now that's not who he is yeah you know, when this happened that he was no longer that and it's very important because even when I read about it now, they'll say former Michael. J and I'm like, wait a minute. That was before 40 arrests, 40 assaults, 40 violent crime. Not all of them violent, obviously. Uh, but it really is. It's a case where, you know, it's a tremendous. Uh, it's 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 a lot of pressure on you, Steve well, and yeah, Tom. Yeah, well, <laughs> right, right. No, it, it definitely is. But, you know, when you have such a good client and you're standing up for something that's so important to all New Yorkers and in truth, everybody who lives in a major city that we can get together and say, you know what, the world is not perfect. We have to stand up for each other. And when you do, you're going to get the support of your fellow New Yorker, your fellow American. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, Steve Razor uh, and Tom Kniff, both of you, I mean, I can't think of better attorneys to handle this case, to articulate the issues. When do you think the case is going to go to trial? Um, well, right now we're looking at um, the fall, uh, mm -hmm. so most likely September, October. It is possible it could happen over the summer, but, um, you know, Danny is in school and we want to try and be respectful of that so we want to make sure that we can work around that uh, to the extent possible we want him to continue to live his life as all this is going on but yeah. the last conference that we just had in court we uh we talked about a fall um uh, trial date all right well uh give him our regards and uh it's got to be a, a heavy burden on him uh, the guy stood up. He was a good Samaritan. He didn't have to do it. And uh, look at where he is now. Anyway, Steve right. Razor, thanks so much for joining us. And we look Thank forward you. to talking to you before the trial. Take care. That's great. Thank you. Bye. You're welcome. All right. And and by the way, folks, Steve Razor served in the office of the staff judge advocate defending soldiers from actions instituted by the federal government, making probable cause determinations for the command and assisting in the training of Iraqi soldiers in legal proceedings. Uh, he he earned a Global War on Terrorism Expeditionary Medal for meritorious service in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom and the Army Commendation Medal for exceptional meritorious service during combat operations. Uh, he is, uh, along with Tom Kniff, very talented attorneys. I'm very, very proud to have him on the show.